I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. How you doing? I'm Tim Cocker. This is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 and we've completely thrown out our original plan for today's show. We were going to be looking ahead to the second test on Saturday. We will still do that, don't worry, but on, it is the Lions Daily after all. However, we need to chat about Razzy Erasmus again, this time about his hour-long video. It's extraordinary and more on that in a moment. Also, Wales and Lions winger George North joins the show He knows all about what it's like going into a second test of a Lions tour with a chance to finish off a series, and that was the situation for him in 2013. Former England and Saracens performance analyst Ross Hamilton is our stats man for the summer, and he'll be previewing Saturday's match. What will the players coming into Warren Gatland's side bring to the game plan, and what went so right for the Lions in the second half of last weekend? We'll get all the details on that from Ross. And finally, prediction time. What do we think is going to happen when it all gets underway? Another busy Lions daily on TalkSport 2. Okay, first up, we need to talk about Razzy. I do think when somebody posts something on Twitter, which is correct, uh, I will retweet it. Because the previous week, uh, you know, there was no bones made about it when, when Warren Gatlin said stuff in the media when we, when we were dead quiet. And we definitely felt the way things unfolded on the field didn't benefit us by staying quiet. You know, you don't run onto the pitch giving messages and stuff without if you're the water boy without carrying the water. So my advice to him is make sure he's carrying water next time when he does that. You know, there's nothing preventing me from carrying water. So a uh, little bit of banter from his side and we took that in our stride. Look, I'm not questioning Marius, but sometimes you get put in a position like that and you know, someone of, of, who is neutral, then you can take any sort of forms of criticism out of that. So we were, yeah, we were disappointed. Warren Gatland plays them pretty well. You know, different ways they think they can influence referees. Because I believe in fairness and I believe in a, in a system and I believe in two teams must have equal chance of, of competing in a match. Not saying that the referee was a cheat at all, saying that we just wanted clarity uh, on a Sunday night and which we now got on a Tuesday. It's, it's his viewpoint. We'll just, like with the officials, we thought we'd, they'd done a really good job in the weekend. And if there's anything we, we need to bring up, we'll just go through the appropriate channels. The South African TMO, if there was any 50-50 decisions, he would have known the whole support, the whole Lions uh, media would have come down on him if he made the wrong decision. So yes, 100% played in the Lions' favour. You want to play. 
you think this was going over the top and this shouldn't go out to the media, then I did this in my personal capacity, not as part of the Springboks, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll withdraw myself from the Springbok management team. Uh, thank you. Another, another eventful day during the Lions series 2021. And once again, because of South Africa's director of rugby, Razi Erasmus, who has posted a one hour long video online where he goes through in intricate detail the decisions he felt went against his side in the first test. Now, bearing in mind it was a whole hour, I've got for you here just a little snippet of Razi explaining his frustrations and the reason for the video. The frustration came in is when we actually did, did lose the match and we went through our review, worked work through Saturday night, worked through Sunday, and then Sunday evening tried to set up a call with uh, Nick Perry. We wanted to discuss things because we do our team selection on a Sunday night and on a Monday morning we announce our team. So uh, before we could give feedback back to our players, we wanted to get some clarity on, on specific things that happened in the game that did not necessarily make sense to us. We weren't sure if we were right, and we needed him to, 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 to take us through that. Uh, we gave him a call, and he said he was still asleep. Uh, it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It was a Sunday, so we understood that. We waited till he woke up, and when he woke up, uh, we asked him. He said, yes, no problem. We could send him through the clips to him. We, uh, you know, we, we transferred or airbridged the clips to him, and we wanted to discuss it. Uh, I, t I spoke to him on the phone and said to him that none of this will get into the media. Uh, we will not discuss this in the media. This is purely for team selection and to explain to players. Players came in and start asking questions and it's now Monday and we haven't had feedback and, 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 and obviously there's a lot of South African supporters that wants to know what's going on and what this team selection looked like and what happened here and why is that not a try and why is this a red card and why is this a yellow card. So people started asking questions. And again, uh, uh, you know, not having any answers, and, and then receiving on a Tuesday morning, this morning, to today, uh, receiving feedback on a Tuesday morning where you basically have one training session on a Tuesday, and then tomorrow's Wednesday is our next training session, and then we're off on Thursday, and then we have a captain's practice on Friday. So to get feedback on a Tuesday before a test match on things that you actually can't change now anymore, and your team is already selected, Razi Erasmus and his justification for his hour-long video where he breaks down uh, the, the elements of the refereeing performance at the weekend that he disagreed with, saying that um, he just wanted clarity and saying that lots of fans... Well, this, this is the one thing that, that got me. And I'll bring in uh, TalkSport producer Alfie Reynolds here because it was actually you that forwarded me this on WhatsApp <laughs> first thing this morning. And um, uh, so Razi said, on the one hand... Uh, he he's went to World Rugby and to the referees and said, look, this, this won't be public, it's just private, I want some clarity. And then at the same time, he said, I need to be able to tell the South African fans why all these decisions were made. It, it, I, I can't believe this is actually a, a thing today, Tim. It, it's such a bizarre situation to try and pick through. And there's elements of what Razi Erasmus says, and we spoke about it earlier in the week because he mentioned some of this in his press conference in terms of, World Rugby taking a while to get back to him on these issues and he has to select his team and so on and so forth, which actually kind of makes sense. And I don't know if we'll get into it, but he goes through a lot of the 
decisions in that first test match. And if you purely isolate the decision, on most of them, I was watching it thinking, I see what you mean. But, and it's a big but here, I just feel like this is maybe a step too far. And I'll be honest with you, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? It's more than a bit strange. Um, I've got a little bit more to say on that in a second. But um, as we've just mentioned, it is a long video and we're only playing some select parts. But here we've got um, a little snippet from Razzie saying that he's going to take responsibility for this video. Have a listen to this. I myself, in my position of director of rugby, uh, if this uh, causes that I'm not allowed to be a water carrier, that's fine. I'll step away from the water carrier. If this means that we're going to get a fine, I'll I'll step away from the, the team management team. Uh, if this means that you know the Springboks will be in trouble, I will say I did this in isolation. It's me personally who did this. This is not SA Rugby, this is not the Springboks. Because I believe in fairness and I believe in a, in a system and I believe in two teams must have equal chance of, of competing in a match. So I take from that that Razzie Erasmus is fully aware that he's probably crossing a line, as you kind of said there. Alfie. Yeah, and I was in brief communication with the media department at World Rugby today who weren't putting anyone forward for an interview, understandably so really. Haven't had anything further from them in terms of what this might mean. But, I mean, he's gone through a match and highlighted numerous decisions which he thinks didn't go the Springboks way. He also spoke about he felt Alan Wynne-Jones was respected more by the officiating team than Sia Khaleesi was. There was a lot in there and really calling into question the performance of those referees and, and the assistants. And I feel really uncomfortable about that. I mean, he Razzie Erasmus is a World Cup winning coach. He's a class operator, has massive amounts of credit in the bank. And this is beneath him, is, is, where, I, is where I think. I've played rugby since I was six years of age. I've played semi-pro levels, amateur, social levels as well. I take my son to mini rugby at the weekends. I work on the TV, on the rugby. I, I jabber about it here on, on TalkSport 2. At every level and in any arena, the one constant across rugby that makes me so proud and makes it such a special sport is respect for opponents, for fellow fans, and for officials. Even six foot ten, 22 stone mutants all will stand and say, sorry, sir, to a five-foot-eight referee. And that, that's a beautiful thing. And that respect filters down through the sport. It filters into clubhouses, which is why they're, they're such welcoming places. It filters into the stands with fans, which is why opposing fans can sit and have a beer and a laugh together. And whether he realises it or not, Razzie Erasmus making a one-hour video released publicly to dissect a refereeing performance is chipping away at that central pillar of what makes rugby so great. And I don't know if he's playing 4D chess and this is some way to try and win a series if it is well if it helps him win a series he can feel good about that but he's lost a lot of respect what this is the thing so this week Tim we've spoken a lot about Razzie Erasmus and we had the stuff the previous weeks about him being a water boy who doesn't carry any water and then the the Yako Johan Twitter account by the way this video was posted by JJ so I don't know if he's still sort of having a, a bit of a laugh with us there but before it was funny what do you think? So I don't know is the end goal here for Razzie Erasmus. Uh, that, that's what I don't understand, mm. Alfie. I, 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 I did make note of the fact it was released on, an, uh, on a video account with the initials JJ, which was clearly a nod to Yako Yoan, uh, his Twitter um, alias, uh, which makes me think maybe there's an element where he's thinking we're going to laugh along with him. And I've been laughing with him at every point up till now. I'm not laughing anymore because uh, I think World Rugby need to really haul him over the coals for this 
Yeah, and one final point that I thought here, Tim, was we heard the clip. Razzy Rasmus was asked this week about whether he needs to step away a bit from the Springboks to allow Jacques Nienaba to properly take control of the team because he is still a very central figure in that. And this whole situation kind of makes it about Razzy Erasmus still. And I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that and the dynamics of that coaching set. It's all just really strange to me at the moment. It is. And Brendan Nell, uh, South African journalist who we had on Lions Daily earlier this week, he he said on the previous stuff from Razzy Erasmus, this will be exactly what Razzy wants. All the attention's on him, not on the players. They can get on with their job. Kind of in a Mourinho fashion. Uh, if that's what he's doing here... <sighs> Fair enough. I think it's a dreadful way to go about it, and I think he has crossed the line. But um, that's that's only my thoughts, and you'll have your own opinion as well. But someone who has played at the top level and watches the game with that set of eyes on him, we wanted to get get the thoughts of former Scotland international Rory Lawson, who gave us his reaction. For him, there must be a method in the madness. He starts off by saying social media is media. So this is essentially him addressing the mass media and and people all around the world who have any interest at all in the sport. And it, it's an incredible hour of insight into things that he will question from the first test carrying into the second test. And, you know, you, the cynics would say it's, there's a huge element of sour grapes in there. There will be others who say it's a, it's a stroke of genius to, to pose some different questions. From an objective perspective, he's picked out 26 clips of decisions that he thought maybe didn't go the way of South Africa that should have. And I'm sure if Warren Gatland could be bothered to take the time out and had any interest in doing the same, he could find 26 that went the other way. And with that in mind, I, I don't like the finger pointing. And, you know, even though he will always say, you know, it's part of the conversation, I've got to ask these questions. There's a big element of finger pointing to say, that's a wrong decision, that's a wrong decision, and that's a wrong decision. This one you got right. This one was a bit of a debate, so I can understand why you why you made that decision, but you're still wrong, which is actually the tone of the whole thing. The lack of empathy when it comes to the challenge faced by a referee in a test match or a refereeing team, because it is a refereeing team now, and when it comes down to it, the TMO, who, let's not forget, is South African, also had a say in a number of the decisions that were being questioned. So I think it's... it's created an, uh, an interesting narrative going you know 48 hours from the second test match for me it's over the top it's it's extreme and if, if I'm looking at it from an external perspective it shows a man under pressure and that was my immediate thought was thinking Rassi Erasmus has done an awful lot right and that's the way that he's reacted which is you know which has, has, has us all talking very measured thoughts from former Scotland international Rory Lawson on this, which I'm sure is going to get discussed at all quarters over the coming days. Uh, but we're going to, I'm going to throw the focus back onto the rugby and this second test next on the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Of course, you won't miss a moment of the Lions, whether that's off the field or certainly on the field where we've got commentary of every live game on tour on TalkSport. And next, ahead of the second test, Going to pick the brains of Wales and Lions winger George North. He thinks about jumping, realises there's no one near him, but beats the first, beats the second, he's over the 10 metre line. He's going towards the 22, he beats the fullback, he's going for the corner. George North, Fred Stop will get the air. 
George Dawes scores the try. The Lions go into the lead. Welcome to British and Irish Lions rugby. What a score. What a great memory that was. One of the great British and Irish Lions tries of the modern era. George North touching down in the first test in the 2013 series against Australia. Now, of course, go back a few months to the Six Nations and George North was in outstanding form and it was looking likely he'd be a part of this year's Lions Tour. Injury robbed him of that. I guess the only consolation is that, well, for us at least, is that I got to have a chat with George a little bit earlier. George, how's tricks? How's the rehab going? Yeah, no, all good, thank you. Um, literally just finished training now, so it's good to catch up with you. And yeah, I was, where was I? I was in London on Tuesday uh, seeing the surgeon and um, yeah, he was very positive. He um, he said we're going in the right direction. So literally got to keep pushing on now and then I'll see him again in another sort of two and a half months, three months. So I was, what was I, three months on Tuesday I was. So um, we've got this early sort of block out of the way coming to the end of a big strength block now and hopefully we can sort of push on again from there now. Well, you sound in good spirits. I'm, I'm curious to know what it's like for you watching the lines, if you're able to watch the lines, being as, as you say, the last three months you've been rehabbing and three months ago, your target was to have been taking the field this weekend. Yeah, I, um, I'm a terrible spectator at the best of times, um, whether it be any sport, I get really quite into it. But with rugby, obviously, I guess first and foremost, I guess I'm just a fan like everyone else. Very much a fan of the game, uh, of the Lions tour, what it means, the magic behind it. But I found the warm-up games uh, against the, against the clubs not too bad. I'll be brutally honest. Uh, but then when when that first uh, the first whistle went for kickoff in the Test match, I I, I found it incredibly tough. Um, my I've had um, obviously up and down a few seasons, but felt like I found my groove again this last season. Just gone playing some of my best rugby I have done in a while in the Six Nations and. Um, yeah, you, you know the the fuel for that the whole way through was you know hopefully being on that on that plane to South Africa and you know when you're on that plane you know you're fighting for that for those Test jerseys. So I found it incredibly tough to watch, but um, again, um, rugby is one of those ones you know what you you're going, you know what you, the dangers you step into when you take take that step on over the whitewash onto the field. So you know it is what it is. I can't I can't complain as it is so so good at the moment. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the rehab's coming on well and looking forward to seeing you out on the field soon. In, in terms of looking to this weekend, I want to draw on your experiences from 2013. Ahead of that second test, you went into that knowing you could wrap up the series. What was that like? Um, I think to start with, I guess the, the, the first thing is you don't really want to be in that position where you get too too comfortable in that position. Do you know what I mean? You, you want to be able to push every every day in that lead up to the test match um your, your mind naturally will um will wander to that and get it done in two which is always a lot more spectacular and better for the story going forward um but for i think for the boys they've just got to focus on the performance i think they would have they'll be well well in they would have done their reviews they would have sort of looked at their own game and there was plenty of rugby that left out there um, so I know they would have been working hard this week, but if they could get it wrapped up in two, that'd be much better and a better story, I think. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be thinking it would have been your 13 jersey uh, had you been able to compete for it. That shirt has traded places. So from your experience, again, how tough is it for the guy 
um, dropped out of that jersey or any jersey for that matter and the pressure on the player coming in? I guess at this level, no one likes to be dropped. <laughs> I think, well, at any level, no one likes to be dropped, I guess. For the, the, the beauty of the lines is also probably the nasty part of the lines. Do you know what I mean? You, you get to this point now, it's the pointy end of the stick and you've got to perform. You know what I mean? And Elliot Daly arguably was, if you look at the back line, probably the one guy that put his hand up when, you know, when the pressure came on. You know, I know it's not his preferred position, uh, a fullback, but it's a position that he can play and has done for England a fair few times. Um, and I think the way Gats is, he, he very much wants to reward players on form. And I think if you look at Chris Harris, when he was um, obviously playing for Scotland, I think he um, he deserves that position and deserves his shot, you know. And were you surprised not to see Liam Williams coming in? Because a lot of people were sort of thinking he might come into the side to cope with the aerial threat of the Springboks. And in fact, he's not in the 23 at all. It can be pretty brutal at this level. Yeah, again, it's it's it is brutal, and sport is horrible uh, in times, and it's also amazing in others. But I think the the thing that people forget about when you're in this test series, it's the pointy end of the stick. You know, that's what we all train for. That's what we all give everything to be part of. But the the thing that people forget is that you know players will have to cover maybe two, three positions in that game. So you know, if you're on the bench or if you're starting, you may be covering your position. You know, I, I'm going to say, like, for, for me, you know, I would be covering both centres and wings. So I would be covering all of them. So maybe from a selection point of view, that the coaches feel like, you know, uh, Liam doesn't cover enough positions in that position or that doesn't offer enough in one or the other. Um, it, 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 it is brutal, but that's that's the nature of the Lions series now. You know, you get to this point and all everything's focused on winning. Absolutely. And uh, Warren Gatlin's got, he, he's had lots of uh, players in form to choose from, which is a problem he wanted. You know him well. If he was to win this series, this Saturday or, or next week, what would that say about him as uh, a coach in the pantheon of great coaches through rugby history? What, what do you think, George? Um, well, for me, he's, he's been Wales for me since I started. He, you know, he gave me my first cap. A coach I know very well, a coach that's probably one of the best coaches I've ever been involved in. Uh, and I think this, if he was to do this, obviously, whether it be this weekend or next weekend, it would put him in that that next level bracket of you know world world class coaches, and that's what he is. And I think it's not only the it's not only the the big successes he's had, you know, with like the Lions tours and and Six Nations, you know, and European titles. It's the what it's the stuff that you don't see. It's the it's the culture behind the teams. It's the results that you know, teams that we've won when we shouldn't have. And that's down to his resilience and his hard work as well, you know. And what do you think it is about him that appears to have managed to galvanise this group and bring them together, even when they're having to live in each other's pockets and not have the the normal touring experience? Um, I don't think Gats would have done, had to have said too much, you know. I think the Lions store is so special and means so much to so many players. I, I think this will always go down as the weirdest, you know, 18 months in the world. Well, not in the world, obviously there's many things you could argue there, but certainly of the last, the last generation. So, you know, I think the boys now, they, they knew when they were going out there, it would be very different to a normal tour, but the sacrifice they've had to make, you know, by being in each other's pockets, by being in the hotel, not being allowed to tour will be very, will be worth it if they go and win a test series, you know, uh, out there. And how do you think the back three, I guess for both sides, might be able to 
get more involved, make more of an impact uh, in an attacking sense. They did a lot of work defensively, but with with some of the talent on show, we, we love to see them uh, in, in an attacking sense. Do you think that dynamic could change? And if so, how? Um, I'm really looking forward to that battle, personally. Uh, I think in that first test, you saw what the, what the battle up front was like. Uh, it was brutal, physical intense but on the flip side you didn't see many of the back you didn't see any of the back lines in, in all honesty um you know i i wouldn't really i really wouldn't uh, rule Safaka out this weekend you know they're they're a hurt beast at home and there's obviously plenty of reasons why they'll they'll argue until the cows come home about obviously COVID and what have you but you know they're world cup champions and they will not be happy to lose one nil um or even lose two nil in a you know the first two games I hope that Safa come out and play a brand of rugby we saw in the World Cup, you know, sort of piggybacking off the back of that physicality in the front, but laying those backs play, especially the back three. You know, I think I thought we, we saw Colby in the South Africa A. He's been a lot spoken about that guy, but you forget about Mpepe and uh, Willie LaRue as well, two unbelievable players playing alongside him. And, you know, you flip that to the Lions, it's not a bad back three there either, is it? So that clash should be really exciting if they can get those, boy, uh, those boys in the game. Uh, if you've been training all day today uh, and you haven't been able to uh, uh, get on your phone very much, you won't have seen the latest instalment of uh, Razzy Erasmus. You've got that. You've got a treat in store. A whole hour of him breaking down every refereeing decision. What, what have you made about uh, of the the kind of little uh, back and forth between the coaches? It's added another little storyline to this whole to this whole series. I haven't yet seen it, but I'll have to get back to you on that one. Um... To be honest, like that's that's part of the game, isn't it? It's, it's like that, not only the physical battle on the field, the psychology beforehand and lean into it. Gats loves that sort of stuff. You know, he'll find that, I imagine he'll find that very funny. I've not seen what his comments are, or, or I don't know if he's, if, if he's even seen it yet, but I just think it's part of this test series and it'll be a funny story that, you know, they'll probably go at the time. It seemed like a good idea, but in hindsight, it probably wasn't really, but... Again, I'll have to get back to you on it, but when you get to this level, it's all about the 1% and whether, obviously, they think that's going to give them an edge. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait back until the, the review comes. Well, we will wait and see on, on that particular 1%. Um, in terms of your own, George, I hope your uh, rehab continues uh, as, as well as it's going. And uh, thanks ever so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Former Wales and Lions winger George North uh, with his thoughts on this weekend. And uh, well, and on the psychology and the tactics of it, and in terms of the the, the tactics, I, I've got someone coming up next for you that can be very illuminating and has been throughout this whole tour on the Lions Daily on Talksport Two with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, eighteen plus, be drink aware. Talksport with commentary of every match between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions, and yeah, that insight we've been getting from uh, our resident performance analyst, former performance analyst for England and the Saracens, Ross Hamilton, joins us next. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Lions will win the first test of the series against South Africa in Cape Town. Well, they're going to be desperate, aren't they? So they, they want to desperately stay in the series and we've got a chance of, of winning the series on, on Saturday. Billy LaRue will score the try! So you need wow. to read back. Uh, it was definitely inside. The no, try no, is no, going no, to be called off. Furious backlash. Uh, I think if we win the next one, then the, the Lions are then in the same position as us. Then they, they must win the last one to win. By pure excitement purposes, I'd like it to go down to a final test. Who doesn't love a fairy tale story? This is one of the biggest sporting moments, and absolutely. Outside of a World Cup, the biggest rugby union moment in years. This Saturday, 5pm, South Africa versus the British and Irish Lions. In the second test, we'll have all the action on TalkSport with build-up from 4pm. And to preview the match, as well as hearing from the coaches, the players and even fans that we spoke to yesterday, uh, we want to get right into the details of the match, into the, into the little stuff that you, you might not even see in those conversations you have down the pub. And to do that, there is no better person for the task than former Saracens and England performance analyst... Ross Hamilton, Roscoe. Hi Tim, how you doing, uh, mate? I'm, I'm, look, can't wait to pick your brains. So, so uh, let's not waste any time. Last weekend, what stood out to you? Yeah, well, look, we probably might agree it wasn't the highest quality of rugby that we've ever seen. It certainly wasn't a bad test match. It's obviously exciting and great that we won, but in terms of the rugby quality, perhaps not there. Have a look at the stats and break some of them down, and to go through some. Um, both South Africa and the Lions only made around 260 metres each. We've seen games where there's seven, 800, 900 metres. So perhaps not too much running rugby. Uh, the Lions made two line breaks in total in the whole game. The Springboks only made one offload in the entire 80 minutes of rugby. So not potentially much attacking, exciting rugby to be seen. Of course, still very attritional um, maybe something you might have expected as a first test match, a little bit cagey, feeling each other out, not wanting to make mistakes and so on. But certainly we could, we could hopefully expect to see an improvement in the quality of rugby. A couple of other things I noticed. The, the ball in play was the, the, the least amount in the entire tour of any of these teams. So either the ones that South Africa played or, or the Lions. So there wasn't much to play with. The ball out of play was then the highest we have a look at that and we have a measure which we call a work to rest. It sort of identifies the intensity, the match intensity. Um, and because the ball in play was so low, the ball out of play was so high, the intensity of the game was actually, again, the least on tour. So it might be something that we can look at to see to 
um, improve in the in the following test and certainly this one on Saturday. One of the biggest, biggest ones for me, we previewed this last week and we showed and we said we expected how South Africa are going to kick a lot. And we certainly saw that even just to sort of the naked eye, you could see that. But my, my statistics here come back. So we can see how many individual possessions a team has. South Africa had 41. Out of those 41 possessions they had, they kicked the ball 37 times. So that's 90% of all of their possession, they kicked the ball away. I mean, it clearly followed their game style, but it definitely led towards perhaps that more attritional, um, risk-averse kind of game rather than open, free-flowing rugby. That is fascinating. I, I didn't realise it would be as high as 90%. And, and yeah. also, also, Ross, when I think about the uh, the Rugby World Cup final and what happened there, the, the intensity, and you, you said that because of the ball in playtime being so low... The, the intensity wasn't at the level. And that, that was the thing from that World Cup final. South Africa just stretched and stretched and stretched England until the dam burst and they were able to score those tries. And one of the things that we've been talking about this week on Lions Daily is just how the the dam never looked like bursting for the Lions. And I guess, I guess that's a, a big part of it. It would certainly go some way towards it. Yeah, I mean, just to sort of um, build on that a little bit, we, we've spoken about this previously in uh uh, in previous shows that we have a red zone efficiency rating. It's a measure of how well the teams convert their chances when they get into the right areas in the opposition 22. Uh, a team scoring around two points per entry is pretty good. Both of these teams were at 0.63. So they really didn't convert the chances. You could say good defense, obviously, from both sides, but you could also say both both teams didn't really take their chances. And that, as exactly as you just said, might be a reason why they didn't necessarily break those teams down and, and then get the rewards later on in the game. Okay, Ross, I want to see what you think um, about this from Warren Gatland. He told TalkSport he doesn't expect South Africa, to, South Africa to concede as many penalties in the second test. Well, I think it's, you know, if, if that was me, I'd be one area that I'd be really trying to tidy up. And we felt that as soon as we went through some multiple phases, you know, they tended to concede a penalty. And so that's, you know, something we'll look at trying to play through phases, you know, particularly in their half. And um, like I said, our discipline was much better in, in that first half. But there's no doubt there's, you know, when you play a test match, you look at those those sort of things in terms of where you need to improve. And I, I have no doubt that they will be targeting that area in terms of, you know, improving their discipline, particularly in that second half. As, as we did at halftime about the penalties we, we gave away in the first half. Warren Gatland there talking about the penalty count. Ross, fr from your analysis, what changes did we see for the Lions between the first and the second half? Yeah, well, that was the big one. That was the one that I felt so sort of watching the game live and probably everybody else did. You could see it. Uh, but to give you an idea of the numbers as well, so penalties conceded in the first half. South Africa conceded six and the Lions eight. So two more um, is fairly considerable at that kind of level. But then the change around in the second half. South Africa then conceded eight penalties themselves and the Lions won. So you conceding eight times the amount of penalties in, in a half of rugby, of course you're going to put yourselves under pressure. We scored 12 penalty points, kicked, kicked four penalty goals um, from those, um, and South Africa didn't kick any. So, of course, that pressure was definitely put on themselves by conceding so many penalties. And Warren Gannon's right, obviously, in terms that that's a factor that they saw. They probably would have noticed it needs to be rectified, and they'll go some way to, to try to do that. Interesting. I really want to get your thoughts on the the changes that Warren Gatland has made as well for Saturday and, and see what you read into those. So Chris Harris starts in the back line, uh, firstly. So so why and, and what do you think he might bring? 
Yeah, they're, they're obviously just three changes. Just first of all, I mean, we talked about this and you talked about this to, to George North in that, you know, players get dropped. We're talking about, again, I said this last week, the very best, the very highest level you could ever imagine to play at. You're talking about the very best players. So your performance does need to be at that level to, to sort of maintain your position. And I don't think you can potentially argue that some of these guys deserve to start last week or they deserve to start this week. It's, it's, it's so incredibly close that their, their performances matter so much that you can't sort of argue either way. Elliot Daly and Chris Harris, for me, is perhaps the only one where you'd really argue you'd understand that Elliot Daly might have been dropped. Just because if I if I give you these stats. So he played for 79 minutes, then he came off just for a minute with, uh, with an injury or something. Um, but he made six carries in the game for zero metres. He beat zero defenders, made zero line breaks, had zero game line success, zero collision success. He missed three of his eight tackles. He made one pass and zero kicks. So if you're a Lions outside center, if you're a Lions player and that's your contribution at the very top level, when you've got players like Chris Harris on the bench or in the squad, I don't think you can really sort of argue too much if you perhaps lose your space for the next week. So in that situation, Chris Harris has been, been great. He was fantastic in the Six Nations, uh, a fully understandable decision, I think. Yeah, I guess one that's maybe more debatable because, yeah, those, those those stats don't lie, do they? Um, Connor Murray, because Ali Price, a lot of people would argue, didn't do anything majorly wrong, at least to the naked eye from a regular fan's perspective. But you're not just a regular fan. You you know what you're talking about, Ross. So what, what do you think? Well, I might actually agree with those regular fans. That's sort of what I was saying earlier. And the same with um, with Maka and Rory Sullivan, which we'll come on to. But um, Ali, I guess he was there for his speed of play. We saw that in the previous uh, warm-up games. He certainly increased the ball speed away from the ruck that we hadn't seen from Conor Murray. Perhaps he didn't quite get that same success on the weekend. He didn't make any carries himself at all. He wasn't really sniping around the breakdowns looking for anything. Conor Murray didn't make any carries just as a note when he came on. Um, he made Ali Price made four out of his four tackles. Um, he made 53 passes in total, had a 93% success rate, which is pretty good for a scrum half at this level. So certainly didn't play badly. Um, but this one, I think, just comes into what I was saying earlier in that Conor Murray, arguably just as good. You could have understood why he would have been picked last week and why he started. The, the, the contrast between them is so close. I think you can just understand them giving each other a go. I don't think Ali Price played so incredibly well that he had to keep his space. He certainly didn't do anything wrong. But again, we're talking about the very best of the best. So you understand the switch there for me. And did I read into what you said that you think it's a similar situation with Makovinopola and Rory Sutherland trading places? Yeah, I do. Maybe slightly different here with Rory Sutherland. I think he was probably in the team for his um, around the park Aspects certainly something that Mako is great. He's possibly not there for his scrummaging. Um, Scotland in the Six Nations only had the fifth best scrum success of the six teams there. It's perhaps not his strong suit. He does do a little bit better. Saying that, the, the Lions on the weekend didn't lose a single scrum. and um, We actually won two penalties from our scrums and, and South Africa only won one. So you could say we got the upper hand there. Um, but Rory Sutherland made one carry for one metre and he made four tackles. So from 57 minutes played. So you probably would have expected a little bit more um, from your starting loose head when that is potentially his strong suit, when scrummaging may not be his focus. Um, Mako definitely has those same abilities, and I think he came on and did a little bit more. He didn't have that much game time, so his stats don't necessarily reflect that. But I think in 
the similar amount of time that he may get a, a 50, 60 minutes on the weekend, he'll probably produce a lot more than Rory Sutherland did there. So again, in this one, I do understand why the change, because you've got someone so good as Makovinopola ready to come in. Meat on the bones once again. Nice one, Ross. Thanks, bud. Pleasure. Nice one. Ross Hamilton there, our performance analyst with us on our TalkSport coverage across the Lions Tour. And this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. And next, we're going to be going through our predictions for the second test. And here from the Lions captain, Alan Wynne-Jones. Has he got the distance? Yes, it has. It has the accuracy too. Game tied. All Blacks 15. Lions 15 with two minutes and ten seconds to go. What would you say to your former teammate, Owen Farrell, you know, with the context that we're in right now with the the Lions squad, with everything he's achieved, what what would you say to him? I'd say, calm down, big lad, calm down, big game ahead. (laughs) Um, You know what? I I would probably just tell him to, to go out there and do what he does, do what he does best, which is just weird. Dan Bigger, ball on the tee, right footed, steps up, always made great contact, up and on the way, flags go up. The Lions lead for the first time in the first test. How do you feel when you see Dan Bigger run out in a Lions jersey? Oh, it, 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 it makes us very, it makes me very proud. You know, I've known Dan since a young, very young lad, and uh, to see his progression in rugby is fantastic. He's always been, he's always been a professional, even since a young lad. Johnny Hill and the Exeter connection puts the Lions in for a third try of the first half. Go enjoy it, make the most of it, never look back and leave it on the field. Stuart Hogg. Exeter Chiefs, Scotland. The biggest thing that Stuart had was he was really hardworking, and and even now I see him regularly. Now I speak to him as much as I can. I still meet him as much as I can, and he goes the extra yard. Just some of the messages we've had on the Lions Daily over the past five weeks from family members, former coaches, former teammates of the players out there in South Africa representing the British and Irish Lions. And in that clip, you just heard Tom Stagg, who was Owen Farrell's former teammate at Harpenden Rugby Club, Rob Steele, who coached Dan Bigger from under 10s, uh, all the way through to getting into the Welsh setup, Stuart Jardine, who was Johnny Hill's former school coach at Ludlow, and Brian Eason, who coached Stuart Hogg in the Scotland age groups. Lovely stuff. That's what it's all about. How are you feeling, Talk Sports? Alfie Reynolds, you were getting misty eyed there, mate. Oh, a little bit, Tim. As I said yesterday on the show, I do like those messages. It must be tough for the players out there at the moment in in a lot of ways, as we've kind of covered on the show over the last five weeks. So it has been really nice to to hear some of the messages from home and hear about the rugby clubs where these players play that are going to be packed out, all that sort of stuff. It's awesome. And they will be packed out. Uh, this weekend once again and uh, once again talk sport as well as having commentary in fact I I think aren't the team going to be in the famous Cabbage Patch pub in Twickenham they will indeed I believe Craig Doyle will be there we're going to be broadcasting from the Cabbage Patch which most people or a lot of people listening to this who have had a day out at Twickenham for the rugby will be well acquainted with the Cabbage Patch absolutely right let's head into the Lions camp for a second then and Captain Alan Wynne-Jones he spoke with our reporter Neil Manthorpe earlier today Alan Wynne There's a lot of talk about raising the intensity from the first test match. It's hard to imagine that. But also, between the first and second test matches, do you not have to bring the team down a a little bit in order to take them back up again? Um, I I don't think you necessarily have to consciously uh, bring anyone down. I think, um, you know, we're an elite-level sport here. There is always um, that element of come down after a a performance, um, and that happens naturally. 
Um, it doesn't have to be focused on or forced because you know guys recover in different ways, and um, you know we were very conscious to make or give or ensure rather that people did have the opportunity to switch off on the Sunday uh, and the Monday morning, um, and then there's that um, natural um, restoration, if you like, into a test week um, that you know the crew we have here. Uh, do naturally have done uh, week in week out in uh, autumn campaigns and um, Six Nations. So I, I, I appreciate the, the the question, but I think it happens naturally and sort of re- goes again. And let's not forget this is a, a Lions series. So you know, to a man, the um, the motivation is, is already there. Um, it doesn't have to be reignited or instilled because you know you've worked so hard to get here. You want to carry on with it. You always talk about it being a team game and, and you never seem very comfortable talking about yourself um, but nonetheless your record over so many years the number of Lions tests you played you, you are an inspiration to the to the team and, I, and you have to wear that don't you? Oh, I, I don't know about that I think they're, they're, they're your words and no disrespect other people's words for me it's, it's, it's the next one I think um, coming out here um, for me it's been um, has been, uh, you know, it's been a lot longer journey probably than the four years I've potentially alluded to in the past. Um, and I think um, the whys and the what fors definitely change as you get older. Um, but to be out here now, um, you know, and obviously two days out for the second test, going one up, you know, it'll all be for nothing unless we uh, win the series. And for me. Um, and being part of a, a test team and a squad that has all that, all has that focus is is the most important thing. Lions captain Alan Wynne Jones speaking with our man in South Africa Neil Manthorpe earlier today. That's uh, that's his thoughts, and he's very much playing it calm and playing it cool. What does uh, one of our team that will be bringing you commentary of the second test at the weekend? What's what's he got to say? This is what James Haskell told Talksport Breakfast this morning uh, that he's hoping for going into the fi- the final test. There is so much going on on this tour at the moment for those I know talk sport you know predominantly football but there's so many little stories to be told here you've got Razi Erasmus the coach set up or allegedly set up a fake Twitter account yeah. tweeting himself and responding to himself pointing out the lines in discipline you've got Alan Wynne Jones you know six weeks ago or five weeks ago his shoulder basically fell off I talked to you on one of your, uh, Alan you know I think a couple of weeks ago about it was he going to be okay he played 80 minutes and led the Lions to victory. You know, you've got South Africa, the world champions, who, um, you know, who hadn't lost a game, suddenly 1-0 down the Test Series. You've had two incidents, could have been a yellow card, could have been tries. Yes. All of that is coming into the melting pot for this weekend. And I think, you know, purely for the fairy tale, I'd like the Lions to put a great victory on. We go to the third decider, you know, someone like Dan Bigger or Ayo Farrell wins it on a drop goal. James Haskell there. What kind of wanting South Africa to win so long as the Lions can win the series just for the I mean the, the hype for next week will be massive if South Africa win Alfie Reynolds what, what do you think how do you think this weekend's going yeah, it's, a, it's a risky game that James Haskell's playing there I've been thinking this week Tim I don't think the Lions will ever have a better opportunity to win a Lions test series in South Africa 
than this series right now in terms of being 1-0 up, in terms of South Africa not having played much and, and everything that's kind of going on around the tour. Um, so I do think they'll wrap it up this weekend. After what I saw last weekend, I'm not convinced that that 80 minutes is going to be enough distance in the legs of the South African players to combat the fitness concerns that we clearly have after that second half and how they wilted. So I do think the Lions will win, but I expect it to be a similar game to what we saw last week in that it will be a bit of an arm wrestle not necessarily going to be the prettiest but I back the Lions to get it done uh, particularly in the context of what we heard from Ross Hamilton our performance analyst earlier that uh, when you talk about how much uh, game did the South Africans get in their legs from that one it it might have been brutal at times but it wasn't at the intensity that we might have expected uh, in terms of the ball just was out of play a lot so I, I kind of agree with you there I hope we see the best of South Africa I hope we see them roll the dice a little bit. I hope we see them engineer some space and time for, for guys like Cheslin Colby to ally with the physical threat they bring. I'm going to be watching that first scrum massively because, as, as I've mentioned this week, Franz Malherb is just there to scrummage. He is a monster of a tight head prop. And that is his job. That's his bread and butter. And he didn't do it last week. They will be hurting. They'll feel wounded and I think you're going to get from the first five minutes and that first scrum a massive sense of where South Africa's heads at. If they get the edge there, I think they, I think they will edge it. But I'm, at the moment, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Lions are going to wrap this up. Yeah, totally. It's also worth sort of saying again what we said yesterday in the sense that although the Lions were the better team in the first test, it still wasn't a comprehensive victory. You know, no. South Africa weren't that far away for a side that we're all saying weren't really that good or a little bit off it. So I think it will be tight. I also hope there's no more controversial refereeing TMO decisions. Tiv, I think we've had our, our fair share of that for this Lions tour. Amen to that. Uh, it's the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Remember, uh, this is available in a podcast. You can catch up with previous episodes if you like this one so much you want to listen to it again. It's right there on the TalkSport app in the podcast section or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's all on Saturday evening, isn't it? Kick off 5pm on TalkSport. Commentary of South Africa versus the British and Irish Lions in that huge second test build up from 4pm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 